Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Okay, we're going to start. We're, going, we're now in uh, Chapter 4 of Bereshit. Uh, and we're going to look at the text of uh, here. Again, Chapter 4. Um, Adam and Hava are driven out of Gan Eden. And then the next story is that of Cain and Heaven. It's a famous story. Um, but I want to show that from, from the very beginning, we see that they're, they're imbalanced. The brothers, it's a sibling rivalry. It's the first sibling rivalry that we see. And sibling rivalry is a theme that goes throughout the book of Bereshit. Um, and it's part of the strength of the, of the book. As it's a... Um, the stories of Bereshit are stories that we could relate to. Everybody experienced some kind of... Even if you're the best of uh, friends with your siblings, you, you see other people, we all experience such things sort of firsthand. So uh, that is something that we are all familiar with. And, and the Torah, we could easily relate to it. So I want to look at the Psukim and see how, how they are uh, parsed. It's, the, the first Pesuk is this, Ve'adam yadat hava ishto, v'tar v'teledet kain, and the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and broke kind, and said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Verse 2. And again, she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, if I wanted to, if I was the editor, and if I were the editor, and I wanted to uh, organize the, the, those verses nicely, I would have written this. Verse 1. Adam yadat hava ishto. Men knew his wife, uh, uh, his wife. And then, verse 2, Vatar vateledet kain vatomer kaniti ishet Hashem. Pasuk by itself, for the birth of kain. Vatosef redet ahivet havel, and then she gave birth to Hevel as well. Either each one of the brothers in a separate pasuk, or both in the same pasuk. And then, in the, in the, in the, in the separate pasuk, vayevel waretzon vikain ayavel adama. They're professions. Then, in verse 3, it says that Cain brought from the fruit of the ground an offering to Hashem. And in verse 4, Hevel also brought an offering, and God responded to him. And in verse 5, God doesn't respond to Cain. So here also, I would have written it in a, in a way that is parallel. In verse 3, Cain brought fruits, Hevel brought sheep. And in the next pasuk, God responded to Hevel, God did not respond to Cain. So already in the in the way that the text is written, we see the lack of balance. There is a, there is tension between them, and the tension is already also in the names. The names are symbolic. All through uh, most of the, the names of Bereshit are symbolic. Kain comes from the word kana, mikne, possession, ownership. Um, in Hebrew, there is no there is no verb that connotes ownership. You can't say I own in Hebrew. You can say I have. Yeshli, or this belongs to me, or this is in my ownership. But you can't say I own. <clears throat> but kone, also in Hebrew, means the maker of and the owner of, which in many in many cultures was uh, one and the same. So kain symbolizes possessions. Hevel, hevel means vapor, the and also vanity. Right? We we translate hev, havel havali at the beginning of kohelet. Is uh, vanity of vanities, right? So uh, heaven is vanity, is nothing. 
Um, and here's the tension between them. You have one who has possessions and the other one who has nothing. One is a tiller of the ground, is a farmer. And the other one is a shepherd. So this is a, a storyline, another storyline in Bereshit, the story of civilization. One, one storyline is that of human beings, of families, as individuals. And the other one is that of civilizations. And this is where we start seeing, which, to see the beginning of civilization. Next will be the children of Lemech. He has three uh, sons and one daughter. And they uh, represent different branches of civilization. But still, it starts here by Yehi, Hevel on the Kaina Yahweh, the Makain is the eldest one. Right. So, again, you're right. The lack of. But sometimes the Tanakh does that as you call Shirshu. Like you, you do A B B A. You uh, you explain the last leg of the previous pasuk, but still you're right. There's a lack of balance here. Um, but this is something that this tension between shepherds and and farmers is an ancient one. And if, when we look throughout the Tanakh, most of our leaders are shepherds. Moshe was a shepherd. Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov were shepherds. David was a shepherd. When the prophets speak about the future uh, kings. Zechariah says, "Vakimoti lem shiva roim." I'll bring seven shepherds. Christianity picked it from the uh, from Judaism, you know, and the uh, um, and use the word shepherd or pastor. The um, so the the shepherds are are praised in our tradition, and the tillers of the land over the dama, even though they are part, they were part of the culture of Eretz Israel, but they were not the kings. The uh, uh, the Torah actually wants us to to uh, denounce our ownership of the on the land every seventh year. So uh, now th- this tension is also what created the beginning of civilization. The uh, when when nomads when shepherds started settling down, they had to build cities, they had to build infrastructure, and in many cases, the people think this is what benefited society. Other people say no, this uh, this brought. Uh, over cultivation of the land and crops, so a lot of uh, heavy issues depend on what, whether you are a farmer or a shepherd. And this and this tension between them is important because this is also the way that uh, the, also link with the sacrifice. Yes, so it seems like right the sacrifice always come from the from the sheep, right from 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 animals. Um, but the question that bothered many commentators, and it really doesn't have a, I don't think it had a clear answer, why did God prefer Hevel over kind? What was the reason? So the, the Midrash wants to solve that and, and says that, it says of the fruit of the land, which means not the best fruits. He got those, you know, Overripe tomatoes that they put in the box under the uh, if you want them for a slatam at you know, like Moroccan sauce, so you get them. Uh, and and while while Hevel brought me bechorot and he brought the choices, but it's not written in the pasuk. And even if it even if it's true, still, why would God do that? If you have two children, that one that your your two sons, one uh, you know worked on his uh, his drawing. For, for hours and hours, and it's beautiful, and the other one just scribbled something. You don't just throw it away. You say, it's beautiful, right? Accept it. And let him feel that he wants to do more. But you don't reject it uh, outright. Um, so, 
it seems like the explanation for that is in verse 6 and 7, because after Cain gets upset, Hashem tells Cain, Why are you angry? Here it's like, I have the answer, like, why are thou wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? And then he says, Why are you angry? Uh, the old JPS translates, if you do, you do well, shall it not be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin couches at the door, and unto you is its desire, but you may rule over it. How did our scroll translate that? But if you do not improve yourself, sin rests at the door. Its desire is toward you, yet you can conquer it. Okay. Still, um, what is the idea of that? What, where is the sin? Where is the sin coming from? What happened between them? That their sin... And God says that desire. What is what is the how are we how do we understand that the sin desires you? This is perfect for for our that part of our culture that is uh, filled with guilt and shame. Right, sin is always after us. The yitzharah, the evil inclination, desire. We we are always uh, in that struggle, but we can control it. Um, but the problem in the Hebrew is haloim tetiv seet. Does it say? Right. What is the se'et? Um, it's 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 a condition. If you do good, there will be se'et. But the word se'et is a part of a construct, or it's a verb. If you can say that that is the result. Um, and if you don't do good, we don't have the other leg of that. You should have said, if you do good, you will control your actions. If you don't, if you don't do good, desire is at the door. Sin is at the door. So, I'm not going to go into all the commentaries that do not work with the pasuk. Uh, I mentioned in the, in the other class that John Steinbeck in, in East of Eden um, uses this verse. There's a, an argument between different scholars in the in the book of what is the exact translation of the pasuk. Um, but I want to I want to uh, interpret this pasuk. In relation to the way we interpreted the pasuk about that was told to the woman, the woman was told, "Your teshuka will be towards your husband, and he will control you." Right, and I explained that the word teshuka is related to the word meshek or sustenance. So, Hashem tells the woman, "Your sustenance will depend on on your husband, and therefore he will rule over you." So we take the same idea and we apply it here. Someone's sustenance depends on you. Who is that someone? <coughs> That's how we translate today. But in biblical language, teshuka is usually sustenance or abundance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're related with that. <coughs> so um, this is a this is based on a commentary that I that I read. I think it was a. Naftali Tul Sinai, a Bible scholar, that the word hatat, that was usually in verse 7, is translated as a sin. He said you should read it as two words. And read, Now I'm not saying, he says, in a tradition of Bible critics, just, you know, correct the text and, and just put it there. I say no, there are two layers. There's the ancient layer of them, that meaning of the language, that is now superimposed by that general idea of the sin. It is here. But what lies underneath is this. 
לפתח חיטה, את רובץ, you, קין, you crouch at the gate of חיטה of wheat. So what, what Hashem tells Kain is this, why are you upset? Yes, I gave Hevel preferential treatment, but you're better than him, because you, you are the guardian of the gates of wheat. And therefore, אלך תשוקתו. Kain's Hevel sustenance depends on you. And you control him. In other words, God tells Cain, why are you so upset? You're better than him. You're stronger than him. I took his gift because he needs my attention. Don't we know that, like that story? Like the, the A student who always raises his hand and never, never gets attention. Same thing will happen with Yaakov and Esav. And, and here, Hashem says, ah, yes, I helped Evel. But you don't need that. And now that... that um, it maybe takes time to get used to the idea of a new reading, but the idea of someone crouching at the door and guarding the granaries is an ancient image. The Sphinx was actually an image that was supposed to guard the granaries in Egypt. So that crouching uh, tiger maybe at the door is, is, a, is a powerful symbol in the past. And it's part of that tension between the shepherds and the farmers. God says, you're, you're good, you're a farmer, you're good. You always have constant supply of wheat, and now the first part is understood. Halo imtetiv seet veimlotetiv seet, meaning whether your wheat will have good crops or not so good crops, still you will always have wheat, and he will always need you. Whereas, as Hevel takes his uh, uh, sheep to graze in the in the in the fields, he's not always going to have sustenance. Now, but what happens as a result? In verse 8, famous uh, uh, first murder, Vayomer Kain el Hevel Ahiv, and Kain spoke unto Hevel his brother, Vahib Yotam Basadein, he came to pass when they were in the field, Vayakum Kain el Hevel Ahiv Vayargeu. Kain rose up against Hevel and slew him. Now, Something else has to be happening here. Right. Something else, so, in verse 8, Vayomer Kain el Hevel Ahiv, what does Kain say? We don't know what he said. There are different interpretations. One modern interpretation is that this shows the lack of communication. That was the core of the problem, that uh, Cain and Hevel did not communicate. He, he tells him something, but we don't know what he said, meaning that it, you're talking to the, to, the, to the walls. Nobody hears you. The Midrash puts something else here. They, the Midrash says that they had three, there are three different opinions of why they, they were fighting. One is that they were fighting over the uh, the prototype of the woman. They said that there was another woman who was created with Adam. It wasn't good enough. God cast her away. And uh, and they were fighting over her. Or they had an extra twin that they were fighting for. Um, that's part of the question of like, who did they marry? Where did the women, uh, other women came from? Where they, um, so they were fighting over her. One opinion is that they were fighting over their... their Territories. Cain says, uh, the land is mine, get off my land. Hevel says, you're wearing the hides of my animals, take them off. And the third opinion is that they were fighting over, uh, and that definitely should not be taken literally, over the territory of Beta Mikdash. Each one said, Beta Mikdash, the temple is going to be built in my section. Mm-hmm. So obviously, none of that should be taken literally. Rather, the rabbis use that argument to say that what do people fight for? They fight for religion, the temple. They fight for women or desire, the first Hava or the other sister. 
and they fight for possessions. But none of that is written in the Pasuk. So it's possible that Cain told Hevel what God told him. And now they're fighting over God's love. Why do you separate those three explanations yeah. I've heard, but I've always read it that verse 8 applies to verse 7. In other words, why aren't they, they're a relationship between what God tells Cain, right, so, and then that leads, the very next Pasuk is the conversation, so why is yes. that tied in? No, no, so I think way? you're right. So that's what I'm saying, that Vayomar Kain Halev goes back to verse 8, saying uh, to verse 7, Kain told Hevel what God told him. And if, if, if we explain it in that manner, that God says, you'll be in control, so Kain goes back to Hevel and says, why are you so uh, haughty that, no, God accepts you, God loves me more than he loves you. What was the end of that? One killed the other. That, I think, is, is, a, is a cautionary tale. That is one of the stories in the Tanakh, where God tells us, don't do what I did. The story is told as, as a... As a as a warning, look what happens. You give preferential treatment. I mean, later on in Bereshit, the Avot didn't learn didn't from learn, that. Right. <laughs> it still happens, yeah. right? Another cautionary tale, by the way, according to one interpretation, is the Akedah. God asked Avraham to bring his only son as a sacrifice, and he's willing to do that. What is the lesson from that? Don't ask people something that they cannot refuse. They love you so much, they're going to do that, it's going to hurt them. So, that is also, in a way, a way uh, something that we learn from the text. The interesting, uh, there's an interesting midrash I want to share. I mean, it's I can share it here on the screen. So we're we're learning not to emulate Hashem, but yeah. rather to learn from his mistakes. Yeah, yes, I say Asher or Abraham, or Yaakov, or yes. At least they have to feel that they're equal. And very often, parents make the mistake of, of of showing very clearly to their kids, to their to their children who is better, and it creates a lot of uh, a lot of tension. My father used to say, "You see this? Can I like this? I'm more than this." I'm uh-huh. <laughs> so in in the midrash, midrash Rabba, there's a there's a um, actually this is on the next pasuk that when when God tells Cain, "Me'asita, what have you done?" <laughs> the blood of your brother cries out at me. Right? So the Hebrew is Eli is crying out to me. Rabbi Shimon ben Yohai says in the Midrash, This is very hard to say. And to say it explicitly, I mean, to write it is a problem, and to say it explicitly is more problematic. What is a problem? He says, it's not written, don't read the text, Eli, to me, but Alai, at me. The blood of your brother is crying at me. Why is that? He says, This is a, the allegory to two gladiators who were uh, wrestling in front of the emperor. Very uh, contemporary image of the rabbis, just to, to tell you where the Midrash was written. It's obviously Midrash that's written. You know, in the second, first, second century, they are they have Roman uh, colosseums in in Israel, uh, and the, the 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 emperor had the uh, the power to separate them, but he didn't. So he gave the permission, the thumbs down, for one for the victor to kill the other one. 
The um, we go back to the pasuk. Um, we see that that there's a pattern that repeats itself. Adam sinned, now Cain sinned, but now there's an escalation. The sin of Adam and and the woman was, we could say, sort of an arbitrary uh, prohibition. Sort of, you know, like. Uh, don't you can enter this room? Don't enter the, that room. Why? There's no difference. Like, I could switch the rooms when I want. Nobody was harmed really when uh, when that transgression was committed. With Cain, it's already a crime. It's a crime of passion. It's murder. So now humanity has deteriorated. The next crime will be that of Lemech. Lemech is sort of forgotten. He's stuck between Cain and Hevel and the flood. But Lemech makes a makes a uh, an announcement. He says, "Anyone who will come against me, I will kill." So he says, "I'm I'm I'm ruling by force." Now it's like premeditated murder. Now I'm willing uh, to kill in order to establish my my kingdom. That's Lemech. So Cain now shows us that civilization is deteriorating. And Hashem answers, You are cursed by the ground, that, which, opened, uh, which has opened her mouth to receive the blood of your brother from your hand. So that's also mirroring what happened with, with uh, Adam. Right? Adam and Adama are cursed. When you till the ground, it will not give you its strength. You'll be a fugitive in the land. Um, so this is this is uh, the next level of what was told to Adam. Adam was told you're going to work hard to get the the, the fruit of the land. Cain is being told even if you you work hard, you're not going to get anything. But look at Cain's response. This is the the interesting part here. So what you can't my my sin is too great to bear so either for you to bear or for me to bear and in verse 14 and you have driven me today from above from uh, the face of the land and I shall hide away from you so what Cain is telling God he is blaming him Cain is very uh, audacious or in the chutzpah dick what he's telling God he says, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Why? You drove, you drove me away. Like, the, 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 the verb garesh already appeared in the Torah with Adam. Kain tell, tells God, you know what? That is strange. I see a pattern here. You drove away my father. Yeah, I'm driving away me. I have to hide from you. My father had to hide from you. It's a flaw in your, in your creation. That that is the chutzpah of Cain. He tells God, "It's not my fault that 
your your uh, your plan doesn't work. <coughs> and then he says, and now that I travel in the land, people will kill me. So what what have you gained? Right? He's bargaining with God. What have you gained? More murder? More killings? you come. And God says, therefore, anyone who will kill you, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold. And he marks him, so people should not kill him. So the, the commentators struggled with this pasuk, because obviously, who, who, who is going to kill him? Who is called Motzo? The Midrash came with a creative uh, answer, which Rashi also quotes, and that is that, um, that a man who commits murder loses his image of God. And therefore the animals are not afraid of him, and they're going to kill him. That's not, that's not what Kain said. That is, it speaks about people punishing him for what he did. And when God says that someone will be revenged, again, we're talking about people. So that is the second instance when we see that, um, another thing, so actually, is the first instance when we ask, where did the people come from, right? Hmm. Because Kain speaks about other people who will see him. Then, uh, in verse 17, Vayeda Kain et Ishto, Kain knew his wife. Who is this wife? Where did she come from? And then, but in the same pasuk, Vayibonerir, and he was building a city. A city for whom? For him and his wife? That's a bit pretentious. Huh? <laughs> and Hanok. <laughs> and Hanok, okay, three people in the city. It seems like each of these are little parables. Mm-hmm. And their real purpose is to teach us a lesson, and it has nothing to do with. It doesn't have to make sense. It's not. Really it's not. It's not a real story, right? No, it has a message. Right. First of all, those little hints tell us, like the two stories of creation, don't take the story literally. When I, when God, we spoke about language last time. When when the Torah says that God created mankind, and blew life into his nostrils, it means that God moved on to the next phase of evolution and gave Homo Neanderthal or whoever it was, the uh, or Homo erectus, the next, the next, the upgrade, right? The human 2.0 to become Homo sapiens. Because for a million years we were stuck without language, without cult, without uh, art or anything that marks modern humans. So, so there are other people, Torah tells us, you should know, there are other people at the time. Where did they come from? No, they were there Where all the time. God, cre- so God created. So God created. Created Adam and Chava. Yeah. So the 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 story of Adam and Chava is is a is a, a way to to bring to us the story of evolution under the guidance of God in a way that we can understand. Because otherwise, we would people at the time would not be able to comprehend that. So, and why did God create the world the way He did? We also don't understand. Think the what is the uh, the oldest uh, remnants that were found 150,000 years now of humans in, in Morocco, Ras al Hanut or something like that. So, where, where does I'm, what is the story of Adam and Hava? It's a story about God introducing the new humanity, which so is. So, Adam us. would be the first Homo sapien, according to Yeah. And there are other species, but not. But yes. The punishment would seem to disprove two of the three theories about what they argued about. Because if they argued about a woman, then you would think the punishment would be you would be without a woman. Right. If they argued about the temple, the temple, the punishment right. would be 
your ancestors went out of the temple. Right. So it's, it's interesting right. because if, if one takes that logical conclusion, yeah. it disproves it. But if they but if they thought about possessions, right. then it's yeah. right because there's no possessions, right. right? So, and that proves maybe the the argument that this was between Cain, who's established, who has a place, and Hevel, uh, who who is a, a nomad. But still, and maybe it doesn't matter what they argued about. Maybe that's and that that's another possibility. But this is, by the way, the, also the part of the beauty of the Torah more than Torah than the rest of the Tanakh. The Tanakh is more elaborate, but the Torah is very terse. The Torah doesn't elaborate on details. I mean, in some, some places, yes, but in many cases where the story requires more attention, Torah says nothing. Like, the commentators would, we would be very happy if we would have two or three chapters on the Akedah and less text dealing with the construction of the Mishkan, right? <laughs> like, 300 verses telling us the exact measurement of each curtain and rod and, and a plank. Is the, the Ikea catalog, is, I mean, I got to take away from it, but okay, we, we understand that. We want to know, what did Abraham tell Isaac? What was going on? What happened in, in Sarah's stand, in Yaakov's stand? There's so much that we want to know. <clears throat> but that is, that is why we can still keep writing commentaries on it. Because all the all these emotions, all those interactions are insinuated. If it was if it would have been written clearly, this is what he said, this is what she said, and this is how it's interpreted, okay, there's no room for interpretation, right? So you're saying that, that by having less words it makes it more important. Ro- Robert Mahler spoke for ten minutes, <laughs> right? And they're still <laughs> analyzing what he said. <laughs> if he would have spent you know, three hours he would have said everything, no? Right. Ten minutes. Okay, um, so this this is part really of the beauty of the of the of the story. Maybe that's why it says that Kain Vayeshev Be'eretz Nod Nod is from Navanad. It's a place of of nomads. He's not. He's Kidmat Eden. He's in front east of Eden. That's where the the name comes from, east of Eden. Uh, he he. But he's he's a he's a nomad. Vayi Boner and he was building a city. It was never the midrash says, but I think it's true. It doesn't say Vayiven and he built. And he was building a city all his life. He never was never able to settle down. Um, and then he was wandering. N- no, so he says Vayeshev Vayeshev Be'eretz Nod. Shall become right. But God says. God says now Vanati Abaretz. Right. But God also told God also told Adam that he will die on the day he eats from the from the tree. So. God tells him now, and and Cain chooses what to do with that. But I think that what happens here is is um, an evolution right for the tree of the tree knowledge. of knowledge. Mm-hmm. He told him, if you, you eat from the tree of knowledge, you'll die you'll on the same die. day. Yeah, yeah, but but, or, but he doesn't say when. It doesn't say when, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, we assume in, in we assume, a thousand years you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, but we assume it's a death death punishment is immediate, and and, and God <laughs> alleviates it. Um, but I think what happens with Cain, Cain is a, is a, um, is a, not a premonition, but he is a, an introduction to what will happen after the flood. Adam is let go, sort of off the hook. Cain is also forgiven. Then Lemech also goes without recognition or punishment. And then we get the, the generation of the flood, which uh, is plagued by Hamas. Hamas is injustice that is done in an official way. That, that is the, 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 
the uh, precise definition of Hamas in the Tanakh is not just injustice, but injustice that is done under the disguise of justice, like the Nuremberg Laws, that would be Hamas. Uh, so, and what happens after the flood, after the destruction of humanity? God says, Shofech dama adam, ba'adam damo shofech. He who sheds man blood, man's blood, by man his blood will be shed. Meaning that you don't let a murderer off the hook. He has to be punished. God says, in a way, I made a mistake. I should not have told. I should not have told Cain that uh, your killer will be revenge. Why? You're, he's a murderer. Imagine that we would have. Someone would have come today. You know, someone who committed committed murder, and we say you're going to be punished. You know, you're going to be a nomad. No, this this is horrible. I'm going to be a nomad. What was going to be with me? Oh, you know what? Anyone who kills you, we will punish him. <laughs> Beautiful, right? <laughs> It doesn't make sense. God says that that doesn't work. And that is really ancient society. The what what God does with Cain, these are the laws of the ancient Near East. A murderer would have been able to get off the hook by paying. By paying ransom. Mm-hmm. Remember we spoke right. about right. so um, the Torah says several times, Lotik a, a murderer cannot redeem his, himself. Because so ancient society would have said, We already lost one member of society. We're not going to lose another one. Or, if the killer is an important person, we cannot punish him, but we need our king or our, you know, doctor. Okay, let's see, who's not... Oh, let's take this guy. Well, you know, from here, the famous story in the uh, in the New Testament about Barnabas and the, uh, you know, the thief who was being... Rep- and they didn't replace him eventually. But that is something that goes all the way back to the time where people would give uh, a slave for their life, or they would pay ransom. Torah says that does not happen. A murder should be killed because human life is, is priceless. You cannot put a price on it. And the reverse is also true. The ancient Near East uh, would uh, apply capital punishment or corporal punishment for monetary offenses, and the Torah says, no, only you pay for damages by money, but not with life or uh, or, or physical damage. So the Torah com- changes the system, and that's where we see it. Cain belongs to the old system. Post-flood is the new system. Yes? The Torah, and, and we today spend 95% of the time speaking about Cain. Yes. Almost no time speaking about Abel. Yes. All he did was to both did what Hashem made right. him to, and there's almost nothing to discusses the significance of doing that and making meeting an untimely death. Right. His 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 uh the victim, or you could say a victim of God's uh treatment of the brothers, and maybe God makes up for it later on by choosing the shepherds. By uh and the idea of, of the of the shepherd as hevel, vanity is that and I some some commentators wrote about that. The shepherd feels closer to God. He's not, you know, the, the farmer has a field, has a house. It's hard for him to get up and go. The shepherd is out in the field, is in the open. All the beautiful tehillim of David Melech written in the desert um, show that. And maybe that, that was also uh, sort of a prediction of what will happen with Am Yisrael, that we'll be, we'll be nomads. We will learn how to 
pack up and go from place to place. So uh, Cain now has, we, we find seven generations after Cain, and now comes Lemech. This is verse 19, and that's another, this is another development of civilization. Lemech is symbolic. Is the, I think that's the symbolism of the name. It sounds like Melech. Yeah, we should. Today, Lemech is a... Like a is like right? Lemech is like a like a fool, but Lemech is is really the word Melech, jumbled. So he's a king, but who's who's misled? Who doesn't know the right direction? He has two wives: Shema Hat Ada, Shema Shenit Tzila. The uh, and then that could uh, maybe it's uh, symbolic of the. Uh, of the duality, the, the dual life that people led at the time before the Torah of uh, one wife, one woman at home that she would bear children and will be in charge of chores and then a woman at the temple for for pleasure. Because the Midrash says that Ada comes from the word Idui in Aramaic which means Herayon. Uh, Tzila is Tzel, shade. So it's like one was, the, Rashi says they had Two wives, one for beauty, one for children. Um, but it didn't work for him because both of them bore children to him. So, uh, but I don't know. This is this is interesting. I'm not, I don't nec- necessarily have a f- clear understanding of why we have those two women here. Um, but we do have those three brothers, Yaval, Yuval, and Tuvalkain. In verse 20, 21, 22, Yaval is the father of all who dwell in tents and have cattle. So. Ironically, the great-great-grandson of Cain becomes a Hevel, but his name is Yaval, which sounds a little bit similar. Shemahiv Yuval, his brother Yuval, was the father of all who handled the harp and pipe, is a, a musician. Vetsila Gamiel that Tuval Cain, which bears the name of his great-grandfather. Lotesh Kol Horesh Nehoshotu Barzel, the forger of a cutting instrument, is a blacksmith. Vahotuval Cain Naama. And their sister Naama, so we have four children, and they are sort of the pillars of of civilization. That's um, let's start with Tuvalkain, a blacksmith. He represents technology. But in every back back then, it was the blacksmith, and then with each generation, you have someone else who's who's uh, who's at the for uh, the forefront. But that in general is technology. Yaval in verse twenty, oelu mikne, is the uh, ag- agriculture. So we have agriculture, we have technology. Uh, Naama we can understand as from the word pleasure, maybe entertainment, just leisure. It's also important. But what is the importance of Kortofes uh, Kinovogav? Is uh, is also a musician who plays in the background uh, while the others are working. So, I think the answer is that that music, in ancient times, even today, but in ancient times much more, music was the uh, the vehicle of education. This is how you remember things. The the elders, the women, would tell stories, would sing songs, and that's how they would teach the future generations. The um, there was a study that was conducted over I don't know how many. How many years people tried to figure out whether the uh, the poems of Homer were written down or not, and their conclusion was that they were not; they were oral. 
and that the uh, the bards or the troubadours, whoever would would sing them, knew general rules and they would work with the verses as as they would go along, and they would remember thousands of lines of song. So, I I usually do, do this experiment when I wanted to show that we remember better with music. So I ask people to remember to to quote from memory uh, a favorite book. So. People have a lot of favorite books, and they could say maybe a phrase from each. Um, except for one girl who stopped me in high school and quoted the whole first chapter of Harry Potter from memory. <laughs> but that was an exception, right? So it's very, how many books can we remember? Yeah. We, don't, we don't remember like a paragraph here, you know, uh, call me Ishmael, right? This is a, right. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night. But when we think about songs, we can, we can, if you love music, you can remember hundreds of songs with their lyrics. It's amazing. How does it work? So it works because <clears throat> there are two areas in our brain that process. One processes words or language, and one processes music. So when we hear music and words, and really we, we can't remember music, really. when We can hum it, but we can't tell it. It's, it's frustrating. But when we hear music with, with, with lyrics, two areas of the brain light up <coughs> and they start working together. So they create new uh, new connections and they stay there. And those are, by the way, the, the earliest memories that we have are of music and those that come in first leave less. So uh, people that suffer of dementia and Alzheimer when you play back to them music that they used to hear before they were 20, they light up. It's an amazing... It's, it's a, there's a documentary about it. It's called Alive Inside. It's on Netflix. It's, it's worth uh, watching. It's just amazing. So this... I mean, when, you, when we know all that and you look at this sort of um, like trivial knowledge here, Torah tells us who needs to know that Yaval was a, this was a blacksmith, there was a farmer, there was a musician, she was pleasant. No, it's, the Torah tells us this is civilization. That we are telling you things that go back, who knows, hundreds of, tens of thousands of years. This is what you need with society. The musicians who transmit knowledge, technology, and, uh, and agriculture. Lemech declares, I killed a man for wounding me and a child for bruising me. Meaning that he, is, he establishes now the law, this is in verse 23, he establishes a law of violence. We call it in Hebrew or in Aramaic, kol de'alim gvar. So from Adam who transgresses the forbidden fruit to Cain who commits murder, crime of passion, to Lamech who says, I'm going to kill, he announces it, and now uh, comes uh, Seth, Shet. Wait, he says he's going to kill? He asks the question. Oh. Kish, right. Oh, that's that's our scroll. What, how do they translate? No, they have it as a question. He said, have I slain a man by ah. my wound and a child by my bruise? Question mark. Yes. So that follows the Midrash. The Midrash says that... Um, the Midrash wanted to tie in Cain and Tuval Cain, and there's a there was a fantastic story there about Tuval Cain, uh, uh, no Lemech, Lemech being a hunter, and he's blind, so he goes out to the field with his son Yuval Tuval Cain, 
who's the blacksmith, and he says, show me the, uh, uh, tell me where to shoot the animal, and he sees Cain from afar, but Cain has already lived, already seven generations uh, after uh, he died, uh, after he was cursed, now looks like an animal, so the kid didn't recognize him, he thought he's an animal, he said, go shoot in that direction, and he shoots and kills him. And then when he finds out, he touches the body, finds out it's his great-grandfather Cain, he strikes his hands, and he smashes the head of his son between them, and he kills him. This is a crazy story, I'm sorry to say. She brings it, everybody studies it, like in, in Kita Aleph, it doesn't make sense. You can't, you have to be really, like, very, very powerful to kill someone by smacking his head. And, and Yaval, the Tuval Kain, was already a, an older man. He was a blacksmith. He's not a child. Um, yeah. And so, why was this story told? The Midrash, the rabbis like to tie things together. Not to leave uh, gaps. So, Kain was told, he who will kill you will be revenged sevenfold. And when Lemech kills someone, he says... Shiva time in verse twenty four, Kain shall be avenged sevenfold, and Lemech seventy is sevenfold. <clears throat> so they say, oh, so Lemech is the one who killed Kain, and he's the seventh generation. How? Kain in verse eighteen, Kain Hanoch Irad Mehuyael Metushael Lamech. Lamech is the seventh. Uh, wait, no, Lamech is the sixth generation. How do we solve that? It was not really Lamech; it was his son. To Valkain, who told him where to shoot the arrow. So they had to work it together. Kain lived such a long time. Yeah. So he's, he's rewarded by that, right? To live... So, but there's the bigger problem with that, it's that it's, it's a, there's a, a parallel story in Scandinavian mythology. So it seems like somehow through the Greeks, it came to Eretz Israel in the time of the Midrash, and they liked it. This is about Loki, the the god of mischief that everybody knows now from the right. Avengers and and, uh, and the, but but in in is a is a is a character from Greek mythology from Scandinavian mytho- Norse mythology, so Loki misleads the one of the gods who's blind Baldur, and tells him to shoot and kill his brother, so it's the same story that you guide a, a blind uh, marksman and uh, learning tool. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Could be. Maybe they just want to intrigue the students. But the, the explanation is very simple. The declaration of, of Lemech, in light of what we said before, that God let Lemech kind of the hook, and now things deteriorate, is Lemech comes up, comes up, comes on the stage, and says... I've killed, and I will kill again if anyone stands against me. And why is that? Kishivatayim you come kind. Because God told kind that anyone who will punish him will will die or be punished sevenfold. So, who cares? Like, let din veled dayan. There's no rule, there's no judgment. Uh, going back to, to why Artsko put it with a question mark, I forgot. The Midrash goes on to say that after Lemech killed his great-grandfather and his son, his wives... Uh, separate from him. They say, we don't want to live with you, you're a murderer. And then he comes and says, what do you think I did deliberately? It was a mistake, right? And question mark. But that's where our school deviates from the text and... Uh, and, and that's one place. Eh? But it says, that's, yeah. 
One of the places in this page, I meant. <laughs> On this page. Um, yes? What? Yeah. Right. So, but, but that, that is a flashback. This didn't happen after all this. That tells us back then, Adam already had a son, whose name, uh, his name was Shet, and the, the Shet's son is Enosh, then people started calling upon the name of Hashem. So they, they know God. The uh, Midrash says the opposite. Hal, from the word Hol, that they secularized God's name and sort of uh, went into paganism. So it's Enosh really interesting. So the, what? what does Enosh have to do with that? Enosh is the, thir- the, the third son of, of, of Adam. But it's Enosh interesting. Shet. Son of Seth. Adam, Shet, Enosh. Adam. No, third, I meant uh, third, third descendant, third, third generation. Third generation. Right. Yeah. right. And it's very interesting because uh, the word Adam and Enosh became synonyms. We say in Hebrew, Ben Enosh, which means a human. Humanity in Hebrew is Enoshut, even though it's not in the Tanakh, but it comes from there. And the combination of Adam, Shet, Enosh appears several times in Tehillim. It's uh, not directly, it's alluded to. So they were like, this is the real origin of humanity. Um, And Enosh is derived from Ish. So this is to show that Cain did not marry to be Adam's true descendants, but rather it's Enosh. Um, So now we come to chapter 5. The Sefer Toldot Adam, okay, that is a recap of creation. And again, the Torah tells us, Zacharun keva bara, male and female, he created them. Vaivarechotam, and he created, and he blessed them. Vaikrayat shemam adam. And he called them adam. So here to us, again, the equality of mankind. And now we have a long list of... The equality between Zacharun and Keva. Yeah, between Zacharun and Keva. And then... He's on your side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we have a long list of the the descendants of Adam, which is also perplexing, because we have Adam giving birth in 130 years, and he lives 930 years, and then Sheth lives 912, 815, uh, and so on. Uh, and and it, it goes down until uh, Metushelah, the only one who has a little spike, 969 years. So what, what is the, how do I understand this longevity, long lifespans? So some people try to, I, I heard this argument that they said it's not the same year. It's, okay. so, the, the, Adam the, before he gave birth, before, before, and I gave birth, before he had, his wife gave birth. Yeah. Then another 800 years. So 930 years. So some people say, you know, divided by 10. Do I exaggerate it? So, Adam lived 93, so that's beautiful. The problem is that it continues. Where do you stop in Bereshit? Abraham lived 175 years. The middle was 70 and a half. How do you do that? Um, some people said the, the rotation of the sun and the moon, you know, wasn't... Yeah, doesn't, doesn't account for it. A couple of seconds, if you go back 10,000 years... I've heard some explanation yeah. where they say that the atmosphere was so pure, yeah. there was more oxygen, yeah. and the plants were so wonderful and healthy. But, that, once again, that, that could be, that could be, but even even with that, they wouldn't be able to live, I think, over 140 years. 
because the just for the um, biology, our cells get shortened the way with, with age. Even the healthiest people, their cells will get shortened with age. This is the problem that they had with the uh, dolly, the cloned sheep, the first cloned sheep, that it died of old age, yeah, the very young the age, because <laughs> right. right. Um, so uh, the 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 one who offered an explanation to that, and I think it is valid, is Professor Casuto, um, who was an Italian Jew and a rabbi who uh, wanted to refute biblical criticism. And we spoke about that when I said in the first <laughs> chapter of creation how the Torah deals with the myths of the ancient Near East. And we'll definitely we'll see it with the flood. This is a big one, uh, a very important myth. But one of the one of the mythical concepts in the ancient Near East and also in Egypt was that the God, that the the kings were deities or semi gods, and they lived ridiculous uh, uh, long lives, like twenty six thousand years. That was so you can never. Uh, I think in Chinese culture, up in not too long, right? The the emperor was called eternal, right? Then the the city was the eternal city. So, uh, the Torah pulls the rug from underneath that myth by saying that man was created in the image of God. Everyone. No kings, no, it doesn't matter who you are. And then Shabbat, everybody rests. Also, equality. But here, the Torah has to deal with, you know, people would come and say, how come our heroes didn't live so long like their heroes? So, the this is deprogramming or reprogramming humanity, saying, yes, you're right, they did live long life, but what is the max? There's a, there's, a, there's a bar you cannot pass, which is a thousand years. This is really the connection to maybe in Tehilim, when uh, the, the poet says, a thousand years for you are like a day. So the limit is a thousand years, it's a big number. No one lives over a thousand Closest is a Metushela, 969, right? But it drops constantly. So you start almost at 1,000, and then every, every generation loses like 50 years, except for the little spike with, with, uh, with the Metushela. And then uh, Lemech lives 777 years. Nice symbolic number, 777. And then the flood. After the flood, we started with Noah, who was like 600 years, and it keeps driving four, like five, four, three, two. When Lemech, uh, Terah, who is the father of Abraham, lives a little over 200, I think 205, and that's it. And then Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, it keeps dropping. So the Torah readjusts our, our system. It doesn't say outright, it's impossible, because people will rebel. But it really says, this is how, this is how it happened. Um, and that is something that we'll see later on with other things, also with the flood. Uh, and not only with the myths, also, with, with certain mitzvot that the Torah wanted to introduce, instead of saying outright, you don't do that, the Torah says, you do it in that manner. I'll just give briefly two examples. One is slavery. The Torah is against slavery. They, even though, unfortunately, there are some people who think that when Mashiach comes, slavery will be reestablished. There are some people who believe that. Uh, the Torah is against it. But the Torah, the Hashem knows that if He comes and tells people, you cannot own slaves. It's not going to work. Instead, the Torah readjusts the whole system and the laws of slavery. The Torah is also against vendetta, against 
uh, blood blood revenge of relatives coming in, in and taking the or people taking the law into their hands. Instead of saying that directly, the Torah says, if you find the the, the killer outside the city, you could kill him. But if he makes it into the city, you cannot touch him. So the Torah provides protection and also guarantees that any killer or murderer deliberately, mistakenly, will run right away and give himself in. Brilliant, uh, brilliant system. And that happens in many other things. So the Torah... Uh, I, I, I'm saying that to say this is not this is not completely you know uh, far fetched to say that the Torah deals and reckons with people at their level, accepting some of their beliefs and readjusting them. Okay, well, with animal the same with with animal sacrifices. And yes, eating of animals and eating of animals also. Yeah, yeah. the ideal is, is vegetarian. vegetarian. Always tell people if you want if you believe in Biata Mashiach, go eat your steak now because it'll <laughs> be too late later. <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll finish here today. Okay. Excuse me, With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.